Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Brantley Johnson. I am the executive pastor here at Momentum Church. And listen, I'm, I'm still in a little bit of baseball mode this morning. And I just, I'm like, you know how they cheer, like, they, they cheer before games, like football games and baseballs. What time is it? I'm like, oh, it's game time. <laughs> Especially after that last song, you know, come on my soul. Man, there, you got a lion inside of your lungs. Let's go. Right? So I, I, per, you got to forgive me for bringing a little bit more than I might normally have <laughs> this morning. But I want you to join in with me. Um, we're going into, we are in the book of John right now. Um, so if you want to, you can go ahead and open up to John chapter 3. We are trying to pick apart all of John and just bring about understanding. Here's the thing, though. John chapter 3, we could spend a long time explaining verse by verse uh, all that is in John chapter 3. And I've got 35 minutes. Like, it should be probably a sermon series, but we can't do that today. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I have found what I believe is a very uh, a unifying thread all throughout John chapter 3, and that's what I want to explore with you today. And um, as we go there, though, we have to go back to December 31st, 2021. That's right. It was like a month and a half ago, right? New Year's Eve, and I'm supposed to grill. Anybody like to grill? I love grilling. Anybody terrible at grilling? Thank you for being honest today. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, that was funny. All right. Yeah, so I, I love to grill, and, and my wife, Hannah, she's like, hey, for New Year's Eve, what do you think about cooking burgers? I'm like, give me some red meat. I'll take that, yes, in Jesus' name. And we're Costco freaks, so we've got 10,000 pounds of meat in our freezer. Unfortunately, we bought it all at the same time, and I pulled the thing out of the freezer at dinner time because that's when you're supposed to thaw something out, when you're ready to eat it. So it's a little bit late, and we got we to gotta let this meat thaw out. And as I pull it out of the freezer, I notice that it has a smell. You know it's a bad thing whenever it's frozen and smells bad. But I still had hope. So I thawed it out anyway. And I open it up, and as soon as I open it up, it hits me, like, with all of its aroma. And I'm like, this is definitely bad. And so I do what any normal human would be. I said, Hannah, come smell this. Because <laughs> that's what we do. We realize quickly, like, all right, this ain't happening, and it's too late to make anything at this point. We got to go out and get some food. I still want a really good quality burger, so I suggest McDonald's. Right, mistake number one, okay? Like, we decided we were going to go to McDonald's. She gives in. It's, I'm like, we're going out New Year's Eve with a bang, you know? And so we head to McDonald's. And normally, I have the same thing that I order all the time. It's, it's always the exact same thing. I order two McDoubles and a medium fry. I order McDoubles and not a double cheeseburger because I'm cheap, and those are cheaper. All right? You know, the, the only difference is one slice of cheese. That's the only difference between the two. And it's like 50, 50 cents cheaper. So I'm cheap, that's what, I, that's what I typically order, but I'm like, I want a big burger. Give me a big old, big old nasty cheeseburger from McDonald's. And so I'm like, I'm going to get a double quarter pounder with cheese. And, and I don't know what the number is on the thing, but I'm also, I don't like to talk a whole lot in one-on-one -on -one conversation. I like to listen, I don't like to talk. And so I'm like, how can I say this in as few words as possible? Number five, please. 
That's all I want. And so she said, nice lady says, okay, number five, what would you like to drink with that? I said, I just want water. And then it's dead silence on the other end. And it's like, oh no, what has just, I have just broken something on the other side of this intercom by saying I want water instead of a soda. And she comes back and she says, uh, do you want a bottle of water? And I said, well, does that cost more? Well, yeah, it does. Well, no, I want free water that I've already paid for. <laughs> Just put the water in a cup, please. And she says, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. Can I ask why you can't do that? Well, because you already paid for a drink, so I can't give you a free drink. <laughs> I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, all right. I've, I'm sure that I wasn't good in high school at math, but this makes sense that you could give me something free that I've already paid for. And so I said, okay, you can't do that. All right, how about we do this? Could you, if I told you I wanted Coke, could you secretly put water in the cup instead? And she said, oh yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Guys, this is real life. Happy New Year's Eve. That, there were clearly two different realities that were happening at that drive-thru. Like, there are two different worlds that we are living in. I am living inside of my car at the time, ready to make bad decisions, and I'm like, give me what I need. I'm trying to communicate this. And then on the other side, inside of this McDonald's world, is this lady who is doing her best to survive. And I don't know what's going on on that side exactly. She's got some sort of computer program or something that is telling her she's not allowed to do this. And there's this chasm in between the two worlds and two realities that we live in. And there's this intersecting point that we have to try to figure out so that we can make the two worlds work together. Now, for some of you hyper-spiritual people, you already see where I'm going, right? We have two different worlds that we live in currently, right? There's the, there's the earthly world, there's the physical world that we live in, and there is a spiritual world that is very real that we don't necessarily understand all the things that happen in that spiritual world. But we can identify that there are things in our lives that, that happen, and we don't know necessarily the cause for it. Like, we, we can all relate to this, right? Because if it hasn't personally happened to you or to a family member, friend, something like that, you've heard it on the news, right? Where, where somebody commits this crime, something, something evil happens, and, and what does everybody say? I knew this guy. This is not who he is. This is not what he would have done. Something else had to happen Outside, There had to be some sort of outside influence because this is not who I knew. It happened to me. I had a good friend of mine that was arrested, and I had those same thoughts. I was like, man, I knew this guy. He was around my family. Like, he was a family friend. And there had to be something outside that affected what was going on on the inside of him. We've seen it before with with friends and family, right, where all of a sudden somebody who looks like they're so full of joy all the time, and they are so full of joy all the time, now all of a sudden we're going, what happened? They just look so dead inside. There's no life in her eyes anymore. What happened? It, it had to be some sort of outside thing that was attacking. There's the reality of these two worlds that exist. 
And what I think that Jesus wants to do is he wants us to help, he wants to help us understand that, that interaction point that happens. We have to understand if we're going to move forward as Christians. I want to go to John chapter 3. Open up your Bibles uh, with me. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. Yeah. <laughs> Whoop! <laughs> Amen to the real translation. <laughs> Chaz, I love you so much, man. That's awesome. John chapter 3. We're going to verse 1. Um, if you are new to reading your Bible, it's in the New Testament. So you go to Table of Contents, go to the, find the New Testament, and then it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're starting. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, very weirdly by, by, by chance here, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, that word is actually above. All right, if you look at the Greek that is translated as above in context, he cannot see the kingdom of God, right? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, Jesus is not very good at his transitions. If you haven't noticed, Jesus is not actually American. If you didn't know that, he's not. He's a Middle Eastern man, okay? He's a Middle Eastern Jewish man, so he thinks and talks and teaches a whole lot different than what we as Americans would expect, all right? We'll get into this, and I'll explain what he's trying to, to say here. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again or from above. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let's go back to verse 2. Verse 2, Nicodemus is talking with Jesus here, and uh, Nicodemus says, hey, look, rabbi, teacher, I understand that you are from God. You have been sent from God. Now, what we establish early on is Nicodemus' understanding that there are two completely different places, two worlds where things kind of come from and can operate. And so we have the physical world, right, which is where we are, right? Okay, I'm going to put humans down here. Um, I'm going to put earth and humans, earth and humans. This is where we are. Then over here in the spiritual world, we have a couple of different places where you could be in the spiritual world. You could be from heaven or I'm going to put this way down here because we don't like this place or from hell. Okay. You could be from heaven or from hell. And Nicodemus establishes this with us early. And he says, look, I understand there are two different realities, two different worlds where things happen. And what I understand is that you're bringing a teaching that is not from this earth. You're bringing a teaching that is from heaven, specifically from God in heaven. So we have God who is in heaven, and we have Satan who is in hell. All right? So... 
Nicodemus establishes this, and he says, look, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So as we look at this idea of heaven and hell uh, uh, compared to the earth, as we look at the difference between the physical and the spiritual, we need to understand that all of the things that we do on this earth can come from one of three places or a partnership of those three places. It can either come from humans right? Here on this earth, like here's the thing. So if you have bald tires and you end up with a flat tire, Satan didn't do that. You did that because you're stupid (laughs) or poor. Like, I guess you could also be cheap like me. All right. You're just trying to see how long you can get out of having to change those tires because I don't want to have to pay for tires. All right. So, okay. All right. So like Satan didn't do that to you. All right. God didn't do that to you to teach you a lesson. You did that to you. All right. There are also times, though, where like God can can step in and do things. And and listen, I know that we have like angels and there's also principalities and demonic spirits and powers and all of that. We're not covering all of the the minute details. Let's just stick broad for now. okay? like so now we have where God can do things. All right. On the earth. Right. We have creation. We have everything that he created. We have where Satan can like just come straight up and try to attack people like that happens sometimes times too, where it's just, look, it's, it, it's just straight up attack on your life. I don't want to downplay that. Sometimes that kind of stuff happens. But most commonly, what happens is, is it's actually a partnership between humans and one of the two, uh, either God or Satan. It's a partnership that happens because, and for those of you that have sat under my teaching for any length of time, you know that I refer back to Genesis 1 through 3 very frequently because that's where we learn a lot about what we're supposed to do as Christ followers. The original creation is what we are supposed to return to. All right. Whenever God created humans, he, he created them and put them in authority over the earth, and they were supposed to run this thing in partnership with God. But then they chose to take a bite of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and then they said, we would like to make Satan the one that is in charge of the earth instead of you, God. And ever since then, it has been a fight for power uh, over the earth. And so what we have the ability to do is we have the ability to choose who do we want to partner with in our actions. Now, whether you are saved or not, right, you have the blood of the covenant over your life, and, and you can take great confidence in that. So I want you to hear me when I say, I'm not saying you can, you're going to lose your salvation or something, but I also want you to hear me say, you can definitely partner with the enemy in pieces of your life. You can determine some of the outcomes that are bad in your life because you chose, uh, you chose to partner with Satan. And nobody's like, well, I say nobody. Most normal people are not like, hey, I'd like to partner with the enemy on this. Let me, sh- let me show you how, how this works, all right? And, and somebody's not going to like this, and that's okay. You don't, you don't come to me because you want me to be nice, right? You come here and listen to me because you want me to be honest. I, I, I'm, I promise you I can change your life if you listen to me. For some of you in here, you watch horror movies because you like feeling scared. You like it. I hate, I hate horror movies. Like, I, I can't do it, right? Elmo scares me. <laughs> right? But, like, I, I, don't like, I don't like horror movies. But here's what, here's what happens. I want, you to, I want you to understand at the deeper spiritual level what happens. There's a deeper spiritual sinister thing that happens. When you watch horror movies because you like to feel fear, here's what you tell the enemy. I like the spirit of fear. 
Therefore, I'm coming into agreement with that spirit. He's welcome into my life. I'm okay feeling that fear. And more than that, not only am I okay feeling that fear, I'm okay causing others to feel that fear as well. Now, for a lot of us, that looks like Facebook posts where we scare the crap out of people over whatever the newest conspiracy news story is that you found. Or maybe for you, you can't help but control, you can't help uh, uh, whenever somebody says, ah, yeah, you know, I've been having this pain in my shoulder, and here's what you say. Ooh, you should definitely go get that checked out right now because it might be cancer. Why? Why, why would you do that? Why are you going to cast that on somebody? I'll tell you right now. Part of it, I guarantee you, stems from the fact that you love to feel fear. You come into partnership with these spirits. You do this kind of stuff. And, and, and here's the thing. We don't mean to, right? We don't mean to because if a demon were to just come out and show itself and be like, sup, dog, you'd be like, heck no, <laughs> right? That's not the way that demons work. They're smarter than you. Right? They're waiting. They're waiting for a, a little foothold in your life. That's all they're looking for. That little bit of a moment where you say, I'm okay with this in my life. That's all they're looking for. They're looking for the, the wrong words spoken. And, and can I tell you that, that, yes, it can be that fragile at times. Because it's a whole lot easier to destroy a kingdom than it is to build one up. It takes a whole lot more intention to build a kingdom in your life than it is to tear one down. The faster you can realize that, the faster your life is going to change. Guarantee you. There's no question about it. And Nicodemus establishes this idea of heaven and earth and the separation that happens. And he says, I see the signs that you do. And they couldn't, you couldn't do these signs unless God is with you. And here's where Jesus gets a little bit weird, but we got to understand what he's trying to say, right? So Jesus comes out of nowhere and says, truly, truly, I say to you that no one can see, uh, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What he's saying here is he's saying, Nicodemus, you're on the right track. Yes, I am from God, but you're missing the point because I'm not here to do signs. That's not what it is. I'm not here to do signs. You're on the right track whenever you say that there is a, a separate place called heaven where God is and a separate place called earth where humans are and, and, and there is an interaction that happens there and that I am from God. I am sent from God, right? But here's the thing. It's not just that there is this separation point, but there's also this interaction point. There's an interaction point. And so if you can understand for a second that I didn't come here to do signs, I came back to, to take territory like then you'll start to figure it out that I'm actually the Messiah. And so if you can figure out the interaction point, what you can learn is that I have come to establish uh, and take back my kingdom, right? And it's the kingdom of heaven, sometimes translated as the kingdom of God. Now what that is though, is it's not saying that Jesus came to take heaven and bring it onto the earth and now uh, heaven is established here. That's not what it is. We're not saying that over time the earth is just going to get better and better and better until eventually it's heaven here. That's not what I'm saying. It's an interaction point. That's what Jesus is going for. It's this interaction point where he understands territory was taken. The earth and everything that was on it was taken from the rightful owner, God. And Jesus is saying, I've come to take it back. 
And I want to help you take it back because God partnered with each and every one of you. That's what he does. He says, so look, it's not, I'm not coming here to do signs. You're on the right track, but I didn't come here to do signs. I came here to help you take territory back and create this kingdom of heaven in your life. This interaction point that you can understand and take confidence in. That's what I came to do. But the only way that you do that, if we go down to verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Water is your physical birth. Spirit is a strange thing that happens up in heaven. And I'm sure that we'll never fully be able to comprehend this until we actually get to heaven one day. But there's this, there's this point that happens whenever you come to believe in Jesus as your Savior. When you choose to believe in him as your Lord and Savior, all of a sudden, you already have a spirit that's inside of you, right, from birth. You already have. But whenever you are born, it is in subjection to the earthly order, to the world order, to the, 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 the father of lies, Satan, the enemy, whatever you want to call him. It's, it's under that subjection and rule, but it's longing for the Savior. And so whenever you finally come into a, a agreement with the Savior and you say, Lord, I Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, it, it will go on in John to say that if you believe in the Son, in his name, as the Son of God, Jesus, then you'll be saved and you'll have eternal life. And so what happens is, is that this this strange spiritual interaction happens where your spirit is reborn in heaven and now is a stronger spirit inside of you. And so what Jesus is saying is, is you're doing a good job, Nicodemus, but you need another part to fully understand the territory that we're taking back. You need another part. It's not just do your best according to the Mosaic law, because you're doing a good job. You're trying your best. God sees that. But you need another part. If you want to start affecting the kingdom of heaven, you need your spirit to be reborn. And the only way that that can happen is if you believe in me as the son of God. That's what Jesus is saying. And I think that uh, John, the writer, um, I think he kind of gets that Jesus sometimes says things that are hard to understand, and so he'll pair up stories. So we go a little bit farther in John chapter 3, we're going to go to verse 27. So we got two different Johns here, John the writer, the apostle, and then he's going to talk here in, in verse 27 about John the Baptist, okay? So that's who we're talking about, John the Baptist. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from Where? heaven, a different place, right? You guys are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He, that's Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, we're not talking about physical stature, right? We're not saying Jesus needs to hit the weights. But what we are saying is, is he, his authority, his rule, his, his, his laws, his, his ability as Messiah needs to increase in our lives. 
And our finite ability as humans to just follow the Mosaic law must decrease. Not saying that we need to get rid of the Mosaic law, because if you understand the spiritual components of the Mosaic law, it's very applicable to us. Whenever it comes to to, to the, the ideas of morality, God's morality, God's character found in the Mosaic law, it's very much pertinent to us today with Jesus, just like it was before Jesus. And so what John the Baptist is saying is he's saying, look, there are two different places, right? Heaven and earth. And what we have been doing is doing our best as humans under the Mosaic law to follow God's commands and to love God and to be faithful to God. But can I tell you that it's just, it's not that it's not good. It's just incomplete. And we need the completeness that Jesus can bring. The Messiah can bring. His authority will surpass all other authority that we've been working under. He must increase and I must decrease. What he can provide for us will allow us to take back the authority that we were supposed to have on this earth. Now, all of a sudden, the game has changed. He must increase, but I must decrease. And kind of the way that it looks, I love, uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to go to the right, uh, deeper into the New Testament, past Romans, 2 Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, and then you get to Philippians. I love this. All right, so for those of you that might be new to following uh, Jesus and you're not super familiar with the Bible yet, um, here's the thing. Philippians, uh, Ephesians, uh, Colossians, Corinthians, all of these are just letters. They were letters written by different people to the church or to people in those cities. So the the letter to the Philippians was to the church in Philippi. Um, Colossians was to the city of Colossae. Um, Corinthians to the city of Corinth. And, And they weren't, they didn't have chapters and verses and all of that. That's not how it was written. It was written as a letter. And then later on, they were chaptered and versed so that you could reference them easily, the different things that they say, okay? So if we look at Philippians, it's important for us to understand that letter and who the letter was sent to. Because that city was a Roman colony, all right? And what I want to show you is I want to show you one word that's very important in in chapter 3. Because what Paul does is he writes to these specific cultures, to these specific cities, in a way that he knows that they would understand. All right? And so... If we understand that Philippi was a Roman colony, what, the, what that means is, is that they were colonized by Rome to be exactly like Rome. So if somebody could not make it to Rome, but they made it to Philippi, they would understand exactly all the glory and power and culture and religion and laws, everything of Rome. Their, their architecture would be the same. Their religious laws, their, their regular civil laws, everything would be exactly the same. So if you met somebody who was a Philippian, you also met somebody who was a Roman. You would have a complete understanding for who Rome is by the Philippian that you met. And as a result, they would also have dual citizenship. Everybody say citizenship. This is important. They would have dual citizenship. They would have their Philippian citizenship, and they would also have Roman citizenship. And the expectation for their Roman citizenship was that they would live like a Roman in the city of Philippi. Now let's read. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul is talking about Christians who have gone away from Jesus. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, he chooses to use that word citizenship. If you look at it in the Greek, it means citizenship. It doesn't change meanings. That's exactly what it means in Greek. What he was trying to say is there are Philippians, you live in two worlds. You live in Philippi and Rome. You are connected to both. You have citizenship here in Philippi as a Philippian. You also have citizenship in Rome as a Roman. But here's what I want you to understand. Here on this earth, you are human, but you also have citizenship from heaven. And what you are supposed to do, if you're going to use the authority that Jesus came and died and raised from the grave to give you, is you had better be keeping in mind, you have citizenship that is from heaven. You are not just supposed to operate like a human being who doesn't know what's going on around you, but you are called to represent heaven on this earth and all the glory and power and majesty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, all of the authority that he gave to us initially, that is the same authority and power and glory that everybody should know about whenever they meet you. And it's all been given to you. You have all the love inside of you that you need. You have all the kindness. You have all the joy that you need. It's inside of you. It's just waiting for you to act like a citizen of heaven. And whenever you start to do that, you start to take territory back. Let's go to Matthew, the last, last passage, Matthew chapter 6. This is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then in this way. He's talking to people. He's talking to humans, his disciples. Our Father who is in heaven. Different place. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come here. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. See, he started teaching his disciples, you got to be a citizen of heaven. You need to start acting like people from heaven act. They act in the character of God. They do the things that God would call them to do even when they're not easy. What does that look like? I mean, you know, for, for a lot of us, you know, I'll say a lot. A lot of us, man, we want, we want new laws in this nation. We want, we want laws of morality. Man, I, I don't know about you. I want, I want more moral laws. We need justice in this country. We do. We, we need to be able to protect people. And I'm not talking about laws of revenge. I'm talking about laws of justice. But can I tell you this? 
bringing the kingdom of heaven is not establishing new governmental laws. Yes, I want that. I don't want you to get me wrong. I want that for our country. I want to live in a country that reflects the Jesus that we all serve. I want that. But that's not bringing about the kingdom of heaven. Bringing about the kingdom of heaven, if you want more morality, then it's turning the computer off. It's, it's ceasing the conversations on messenger with whoever your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend is because you don't need that in your life. That is increasing morality. And it's not waiting for some other law to happen. You want, you want justice. I'll tell you where you can find justice. It's whenever you see that waiter or waitress that's had a really, really bad day. And you say, I can't help but notice something's really wrong. Can I pray for you? Can I give you a hug? You want justice? There is nothing more just than, than picking up the brokenhearted instead of hoping for somebody else to do it. That is not bringing the kingdom of heaven. We have a responsibility on our lives that with every action, we can choose to either partner with God or partner with the enemy. Every action. Every action. For you, maybe, maybe it's as simple as opening up your Bible. Because you haven't done it in a long time. Let's just be honest. Can we be honest? Some of y'all have not opened your Bible in a really long time. And that Bible's been sitting on a shelf somewhere, sitting in a box somewhere, sitting on a table somewhere, and it's been closed. And can I tell you, that the enemy wants to attack you opening this, not even reading it. He doesn't care if you read it as long as you keep it closed, right? Because that's, that's the first barrier. And I know it sounds stupid, right? It sounds stupid to, to some people, but, but to you, it means a lot that this thing stays closed because whenever you say, all right, tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to start reading my Bible tomorrow. Like, I don't have a whole lot of time, but, to, but tomorrow I'm going to read it. And then you get to it, and it's like, God, there is something about this staying closed. I don't know how to get past it. I don't know how to open this. And you don't know until you're in the middle of that situation. You don't know until you're in the middle of a situation where you're like, I don't know how to get out of this relationship. It seems so easy to everybody else, but I can't get out of it. You don't know because you're not in my situation. Can I tell you? It's just a simple act of just saying, all right, today I'm not... God, I, I, can't read your, I can't read your word. I can't commit to that yet. But what I can do is I can say, I'm going to put this in front of the coffee maker and I'm just going to open it today. And it's going to be there for tomorrow morning. It's already open. That removal of one barrier helps produce the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. I don't want to shame you for not reading your Bible. That's not it. I want to encourage you, just open it up and put it put it somewhere for tomorrow and say, God, I can't give you four and five chapters a day because I don't have that much time on my schedule right now, but I can give you four or five verses today and maybe I can start there. And so tomorrow morning when it's sitting in front of the coffee maker, maybe it's John chapter one that you start with. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things have come into being through him and apart from him. Nothing has come into being that has come into being. Thank you, God. And that's all that it is. 
Maybe that's all that it is for you. But can I tell you, in those few verses, you've just affected more of the kingdom of heaven than you have in the past 10 years. It doesn't take much. It just takes a little bit of intent. Can I say it takes a little bit of intensity in your life to say, I want the kingdom of heaven and I've put it off on everybody else and it's time for me to take up the authority that I've been given. And you start to, you start to add the things into your life that you need to add. You start to remove things that you need to remove. Can I tell you, sometimes that means the movies that you watch and you just making the decision, I can't decide on all movies, but I can decide on this movie. It's my favorite movie, but I know that it does not benefit my soul. I know it doesn't benefit my spirit. I'm never watching this movie again. You'll do a lot for the kingdom of heaven if you start removing some movies. Can I tell you also some of the music that you listen to? You wonder why you have so many problems with depression. It's because you listen to depressing music. You listen to people talk about killing themselves all the time. And you repeat those words constantly over your life because you love the lyrics. And then you wonder why you're depressed. You listen to, to things about sex all the time and you wonder why you can't get rid of lust out of your heart. You repeat those words over and over and over again because, man, this guy's just such a lyricist. Can I tell you and just give you some freedom? It might sound weird, but it'll change your life. You do it. I can't want it for you. At the end of this, you go do whatever you want to do. I'm just telling you how to change your life. And I guarantee you this. These words will not back down. They will not fail you. His words will not return void. And I'm not teaching you anything that you can't find in here. It'll change your life, but you have to want it for yourself. I can't want it for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you that you, God, you're a king, Lord. God, I thank you that you are king over my life, Lord. I, think that you are, I thank you that you are king over so many people in this room, God. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we take... This, this authority that you've given to us seriously, God. And that we start making the intentional decisions to take back territory, God. And not that, not that it's always easy, God, but it's simple. We just have to be willing to do it one step at a time, God. In Jesus' name, for whoever is in here right now, whoever is watching online right now that feels like there's no way I can do all of these different things, I've got so much in my life that needs to be fixed, in Jesus' name, I'm not telling you you got to fix your whole life right now. I'm telling you to fix one thing. You fix one thing. You change one thing, one habit. One thing is all it takes to start affecting the kingdom of God in your life. You don't have to fix your whole life. I want to release you from that lie right now. You don't have to fix your whole life right now. You fix one thing. And once, once you get into that, then you look for the next. And then the next and the next. It's one step at a time. That's all that it is. Just one step at a time. Don't get overwhelmed. I pray against that spirit of overwhelming uh, 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 anxiety right now. You are released from that in Jesus' name. If you want it, if you want to be released, you're released right now in Jesus' name.
I want you to not feel that guilt and shame. That is not from God. I want you to feel hope and courage right now. I release hope and courage over you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.